This is Alpha Geek Radio. As one does. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm Veronica, and this is Tom. Hi, I'm Tom. This is Veronica. And we do a show called The Sword and Laser. And uh, we've been doing the show for uh, since 2006. The first podcast was 2008. The book club existed in 2007. With William Gibson, right? Yes. I believe Neuromancer Summer was the of 2007. First book. Um, so yeah, we've been doing this a while. Uh, we started the community on a little platform called Ning back in the day. I don't know if any of you guys remember yeah. that. Any um, of you guys remember Friendster? Yeah. <laughs> Probably remember Ning. It was actually a really nice platform. Um, it gave us a lot of functionality, but then uh, they started charging a premium price uh, to have uh, member groups of certain sizes or they something. Pivoted. They pivoted a little bit, and uh, we discovered Goodreads around that time. And Goodreads, of course, if you're not familiar with it, is a uh, book platform um, where you can add books to various lists, like have read, yeah, want to kind read. Of, kind of started as a track track what you've read sort of thing, and it's grown and expanded into the premier community for readers. Yeah, and so authors go on there a lot, and uh, they host book clubs, which is uh, what we started doing. And I believe now... Um, I think there may be one other, but I think we're the largest book club on Goodreads, um, and we've been that for a while, so that's that's been pretty awesome. I think we have almost, uh, we're going to hit 20,000 members pretty soon. Um, so that's, yeah, it's really great, and the discussion has always been wonderful there, and uh, you know we integrate a lot of that uh, discussion into the podcast as well. So we have an opportunity to take feedback from the audience and, and bring that into the show and make the listeners and, and readers a part of the discussion. How many of you are members of the Sword and Laser Book Club? It's about half. Okay. Nice. I'm happy that the other half decided to have enough uh, interest to show up. I hope, hopefully, we can uh, answer questions. The idea here is is to have a dialogue. You know, community management is all about talking to folks. So we're going to want your questions. This mic up here, uh, we'll swing that around when we get to that point. Uh, so please don't be shy. Be thinking of stuff you want to talk about. How many of you actually have a community? That you're managing, like a like a podcast or a blog or a guild or anything. Cool. Yeah, it's about well, about half. Time. Oh, by the way, some housekeeping first. Um, so you were given cards uh, when you came in today, and um, we have three books to give away. Uh, this is called A uh, Few Far Fallen. It's book one of the Roan Cycle by William Carson, um, friend of the show. So if you guys, uh, how do they? How do? What does it show on their thing if they win? If you have a little red sticker, you get a copy, so make sure you come pick it up before the end of the uh, session. So thank you for uh, William Carson for giving us these books and for John for helping to facilitate that. And, uh, yeah, so anyway, that's all I have to say about that. Okay. (laughs) Cool story. Uh, So, yeah, so so back to Goodreads. Uh, One of the things that we always wanted to do, this being a book club idea to begin with, even before the podcast, was how to do that over the internet. How do you get people involved? And I don't even think we've cracked it. I I think we're still trying things out. One of the most recent things we did was started a thread on our Goodreads forum saying, what do you guys want more out of the show? What don't you like out of the show? Uh, we We want to hear that. It may sound weird to be asking someone on the internet what they don't like, since the you know the stereotype is the internet will tell you that they hate pretty much everything you do. But that actually isn't true. There's a small number of people that are very loud that do that. But what I found, most of the people in our audience hold back. They're like, no, you guys are great, and you kind of have to drag it out of them. 
Yeah, and we did integrate a lot of those changes um, that they did eventually, you know, ask for. Or, uh, well, it, it's difficult too, though, because the vocal minority is sometimes louder than the silent majority, mm-hmm. and so you may be making changes that only a few people want. And then when you make those changes, you start hearing from everyone else being like, "Well, we didn't want that." I'm like, "Well, you should have spoken up." Um, so it's 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 finding that balance between making the show that you want to make. And also taking all the feedback from the audience too, because you have to you have to be careful because you might lose sight of the you know artistic integrity of your own show. Um, so if you really love doing things a certain way, you know even though maybe the audience isn't that into that particular segment. Like we have a sh- we have a segment on the show called What Are We Drinking, and we've had it for years and years and years. And because usually we'll have a glass of wine or a beer while we're doing the show, because the premise of the whole show is that we're a uh, book club in space at your local space pub. And so you come to the space pub and you talk about the books with your friends and you have a pint and you hang out. Yeah. So we and, started and that segment. We're very careful to be like, you can drink whatever you want. We're not yeah, advocating have a soda, any particular matter. type of drink. And sometimes both of us are drinking water. Yeah. But so we've had a couple of complaints of people who were like, oh, I listen with my kid. I think you shouldn't be promoting alcohol consumption, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, you know, we're adults. We're not. We like this segment. We're going to keep doing it. Sorry. But that's kind of like that. that I, feel, I feel. Don't you feel like that's a unusual example of of the kind yeah. of feedback we get? I think it's just one that kind of sticks out in my mind right now because it happened kind of recently. Well, yes. but we at the same time that we get that feedback, we also get people saying, "I want more book discussion," uh, and that's. That's one of the things that we've played around with with the show for a long time is how much news do people want to hear about? Like, just hear about, like, new books coming out. Not that we're a news show, but like, oh, is George R. R. Martin publishing a new chapter? Uh, did Is a TV deal for your favorite series happening? Stuff like that. We know people want a little bit of that, but what's that balance? And how much feedback do people actually want to hear integrated, and how much do they want to hear just us, you know, coming up with stuff off the top of our head? And so... Veronica's right. When you get that feedback, there's always going to be the one or two people who aren't, forget trolls, the one or two people who are just always responding to everything because that's, that they love it, you know, and that's awesome. But you can't overemphasize their feedback when you're reading it. If you're not getting anything with those people, you got to get back in and prod like, that's great. Those are excellent suggestions. What do you guys think of these suggestions? Do you have any others? And try to get that conversation rolling. In this latest thread, I think we were lucky enough that other people started coming in. And it's reading it with an eye towards what are the commonalities between these posts? Don't just look at one post and say, okay, well, that's the idea. But try to pull out of it like they, this one, this person's saying, I think your your uh, discussion segments are too short. And this person is saying, uh, I don't like that you uh, don't you know, talk about the book enough. And this you know this other person is saying, I want more feedback. Those are all saying the same things, which is I want more out of the book discussion. And what I do is I think about well, what have I been thinking critically about my own book discussion, and how does that match up with what the community is saying? Hmm. Is that yeah fair? Sure. No, tell me more. <laughs> we could let's open it up to some questions for for the community. All right, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, and draw this out. Uh, draw, not draw out the questions. Yeah. Also, there's a lot of self policing as well. So, like when we have threads like that, and someone says something kind of, 
you know, kind of random or kind of out there or something that we couldn't do or something that doesn't fit with the tone of the show. I think the community members tend to jump in also and say, like, well, they can't do that because of these reasons. And so sometimes the community just kind of polices itself, too. Yeah, when you get a, when you get a community going, when they get enough momentum, they do that. It's really impressive when they yeah, do that. Yeah, it's really nice. All right, so go ahead, come on up if you've got a question and just line up this way. Hi, everybody. I'm Aaron. Hi. Um, I have a podcast about comic books, and um, one of the difficulties I find is actually getting people involved in the community. Um, every month, we give away comic books. Mm-hmm. And we pay for shipping. We do everything. We give away free stuff. And we can't even get people to email us saying, okay, I'll take the free thing. Usually, we make it fun, like, well, you know... Uh, if you had to do a, a cosplay and money was no object, what would you do? But no one ever emails in, so then we just say, okay, email in and say, you want the comic book, and we will give it to you. And we just can't get people to get involved with the community, and I have a hard time figuring out, well, why is it that people just don't want to reach out to us? Do, do people write in about other things? Are you getting any feedback? Yeah, we get some. Uh, we do our, our uh, show... Two times a month, we do it every other week, and we'll get three or four emails uh, a month on a good month. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I, I know it's hard to do a podcast every week, and we've you know struggled with that ourselves. But the regularity in in show um, production and and publishing is really important too, because when you start building a really strong community, when they can expect a show on you know Tuesday nights at five p.m. or they know they can turn their podcatcher on Wednesday morning, and there will definitely be an episode there. So like kind of facilitating that in, uh, ability to look forward to the show, I think really starts a good basis for the community. So if you can do it weekly, like that's awesome. Like we we record the book club episodes biweekly, um, but then we we fill in the the other weeks usually with author interviews that we do over Google Hangout. We try to do that as much as possible. So then even if we're not doing a book club discussion, we have something filling in that extra week. Um, but I don't know why people aren't. What do you think? Well, where do you where is email the primary means that people are talking to you? Yes, um, and that's just because Twitter just doesn't really appeal to me for whatever reason. So uh, just probably just because I don't really think I have a lot of interesting things to say. So do you not have a Twitter account for the I show? I do. We have a Twitter okay. account, account. We have a Facebook page. I mean, we've got pretty much every social network that you would want to be on, we're on. And are you using it? Somewhat. Because yeah. the reason I ask is each show that I do has a different preference for how they like to interact. Like, for instance, with Sword and Laser, it's Goodreads, and a little bit Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, but, but not Facebook and not other places. East Meets West, a uh, show I do with Roger Chang, is entirely... <laughs> Did <laughs> Roger just woo himself? There's the fan, the one fan. <laughs> oh. um, it's entirely, like, on the blog. And when we've, when we've done other ways, you know, like had an email address for a while, people just didn't... So, so you might want to experiment with, especially the giveaway is a great way to, to do it. Like, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna have a Facebook page and, you know, you can do the likes thing or you could, you could try one of your more creative, like, respond to this question on the Facebook page. And if that gives the same lack of response, try a Twitter thing. You'll eventually, if you keep trying different stuff, you'll find out, okay, this is where my audience is. And this is how they like to talk, hopefully. Uh, but you have to remind, remember that, if you want to talk to your audience, you have to find out where they are and how they like to talk to you. And then you have to figure out what they like to talk about. Like, the giveaway is great, but they may, that may not be enough to get them interested 
to pay attention and go through the, you know, the, the motions to get it. It may be just an, usually those are better as an added value to the conversation. So find out what those kind of, if you can get a conversation struck up. Well, I, I know a buzz out loud with, um, which was the tech podcast that Veronica and I used to do at CNET. The, the voicemails would be the hardest thing to get people to send in. And the only way we got them to send them in was to have other people sending in voicemails. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, have you done have you done the giveaways on the show so far? Like, announced a winner or anything like that? Yes. Yeah. So make a kind of like calling that out in a big way. I think is really good. Like, oh, you know, Joe sent us in this email, and he's going to get like you know two copies of this brand new issue, and blah blah blah. I think kind of you know making it like a really excited, like special thing also kind of yeah. helps. And if you're not getting a lot of feedback. Treat every piece of feedback you get like it's the greatest thing ever, even if it's a piece of schlock, even if it's somebody just saying, hey, I really like the show. Like, say, Joe wrote in, said he really liked the show. Joe, that means so much to us. We really appreciate it. And then people go, oh, I want to be like Joe. And we're sending you a comic book. You know? <laughs> yeah. uh, and eventually you'll have to like start to have a little more of a gate. But you want to have that problem, right? So, so make a big deal about anybody that interacts with you so that other people start to realize, oh, okay, they are actually paying attention. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Sure, I hope that helps. I'll take a comic book. <laughs> email the show. All right, all yeah, right. Email the show, Veronica. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You don't just yeah, go. This is how I interact in person. <laughs> That's where your this audience is. This is where your, my audience is for me, yes. So Hi. I know you use Goodreads. For, for your community for this particular podcast. I know you use Reddit in other cases. You've got a subreddit. Do you have any issues or problems? Or for, I mean, you potentially had problems in the past of now your audience is sort of, the registration for your audience is owned by a different group and not you, as mm -hmm. opposed to anybody can stand up a bulletin board or have registration on your own website and sort of try to yeah. own your own audience. you see risks there? I mean, or... Yeah, yes and no. I mean, there, there's always risks in using a third-party platform for that very reason, right? You don't get to control it. But I think the hedge against it is having lots of different ways for people to interact with this. Plus, we, we, we jumped one platform already. I know, I know. We've been thinking about taking our forums, you know, to our own forum platform. Um, but the integration with Goodreads for book clubs is just so good that we'd have to basically build that kind of thing from the ground floor up. And, you know, I... Goodreads was acquired by Amazon, and they're doing really well over there. And now there's Goodreads integration with uh, Kindle. Um, so all of this is really just making a better experience for our readers and listeners. And so for me, that that outweighs the the potential downside of, well, if Goodreads goes away, it goes away, and that's bad for the entire book community in general. Uh, you know, we could do something else at that point. We could make new forums elsewhere on our own. So until that happens, I'm not going to worry about it because the, the upsides are, are too beneficial. Yeah, I mean, I think the two things I would say, too. Amazon buying Goodreads made a lot of people say, I'm afraid X, Y, and Z is going to happen, so I'm going to leave Goodreads. And my reaction to that is the same reaction to anything that changes like that. Wait and see what actually happens and then if they, if Amazon does something stupid, which they very well may do, then that's when you go, okay, you lost me. But yeah, so, so far, far they haven't. Yeah, so. I mean, they haven't taken away buying options on yeah. Goodreads to other platforms. They've only integrated more functionality into it. Um, you know, there's been more uptime, less downtime. So I think so far that there hasn't been a downside yet. And the other thing is, I think a, a, a fair part of addressing that question that doesn't apply to us is if you are creating a community for different reasons. For us, it's just we want you to listen, watch the show, right, and talk to each other. And Goodreads does that just fine. We're not managing that list as a sales list. 
or some kind of subscription. If you're doing some kind of community management that involves that as your primary monetization scheme, then yeah, that that becomes a whole different evaluation. You know, back when uh, we were doing Buzz Out Loud and I was talking about those voicemails and where you like just play any voicemail you want, one of the guys that would call in all the time was Scott in SLC. Oh, hi. Uh, <laughs> and here he is. We found out he liked hi. video games and I started listening to his show and the rest is history. That's right. The rest is history. Now we all hang out like weirdos. Um, <laughs> Scott Johnson here. I was just curious. Uh, this is a little off the path of some of these other questions, but I have always wondered this and I keep forgetting to ask this Every time you guys do a show, I think about it. In your minds, without outing any awesome authors you've interviewed or anything, what is the most overrated science fiction or fantasy book that you've had to read? One that the public thinks is great, and there's all kind of weird nerd pressure to read it, and they all think it's amazing, like the Dune books or something weird, or new, old, it doesn't matter. If you said Lord of the Rings, that's fine. I'm basically giving you carte blanche here. No well, how are we going to not out a specific yeah, author and really... answer that question, Scott? <laughs> well, hopefully nobody will know it. But I just have to think. I have to think. You guys have read something sometime where you just went. Ugh. Okay, there's an author that I really like. Their other works, and, um, and she's not talking about memoirs found in the bathtub. No, <laughs> and um, this author. Oh, this is, sucks. This sucks. Well, I can't do it. It's what I do. There's are you a... talking about the person who we found difficult to interview once? No. 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 Okay. No. Um, that's a story for a Ooh. different day. <laughs> There's some dishy well, stuff here. Uh, let me say, there are many authors that we've had difficulty interviewing, so, all for different reasons. Some just never do it, and they're very nervous, and those are the ones where we feel like, like we're coaxing the baby chick down the, you know, like, yeah. yes, you can do this, it's going to be great. Uh, or maybe a five-year-old getting on a bicycle or something. Yeah. Um, but then there are authors who are difficult, and you can tell, like, it's not because they haven't done this before, it's because they just didn't want to be there. And I'm like, well, why do you Okay, well, here's a different one. I, didn't, I couldn't finish Wheel of Time. Mm. That one comes up sometimes. I'm waiting for the groans. But, yeah, I read the we've first four books, admitted, and I just could not do it. Yeah. I've admitted it over and over. I just, it's personal failing. You know what? On my part. <laughs> Life is too short to read books that you think suck. You know, there's well, so many good books out there. You just that that book sucks. Right. Don't do that. I'm, no. Wheel of Time fan, she didn't mean I Wheel don't of mean time. that Wheel of Time sucks. I just mean, like, that's why, you know, there's so much good stuff out there. Just find what you like to read and, and read that instead. I mean, there's, it's, you know, it's so easy to get books now on ebooks and Kindle and whatever, or like the library. Just go Well, read it's kind of what else. prompted the question in my head, because I, I think about when I read the Foundation series or tried to. I did not like that mm. at all. And I got all kinds of what I can only refer to as nerd peer pressure about why don't you like the Foundation series. Yeah. It's the greatest, most important science fiction work in, of all time. And I kept thinking, it's the, it's better than Unisom. It puts me out. It's yeah. like I couldn't stand it. <laughs> so so I, it's an interesting culture sometimes where we're all sort of into these things. And I think it's okay to admit sometimes a book just may not be for, for you. Yeah. Wheel of well, Time's not for you. This wasn't for me. And, and, and I really liked Elantris. Yeah. Know, so it's not the, even the author. Sometimes it's just well, I know, not but your I mean, kind Robert of... Robert Jordan wrote mo the bulk of... That's oh, who I was right. talking you're not about. Even getting, you're not even getting to the Brandon Sanderson I was originally Sanderson mentioning part. Brandon yeah. Sanderson yeah. because I, I do like his other works, but I didn't get to the point where he yeah. started writing for Wheel of Time because I never got that far in the mm. series. I was still on book four. Um, so, yeah, it's not, not Brandon's fault. He's a brilliant writer. Um, and he I'm lives, sure he lives like 45 minutes down the... He's probably in disguise Utah Connection. Yeah, you talk connection, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, no, thank you very much. Yeah, I sure. really enjoy your program. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Scott from Salt Lake. Hey there. Hey. Uh, through the course of the show, 
Uh, I'm assuming there's been jumps in large popularity for the show. As, uh, or is there any difficulty bigger. managing uh, the popularity of the show or how many people are involved in all that you do? Probably the biggest jump is when we got the, the season on Geek and Sundry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that was, we did have to prepare for an influx. Uh, did we? Yeah, remember we put up a big, like, welcome newbies Oh, yeah, post. we started the, yeah. Um, so actually, the community helped a lot with that, yeah. too, because they kind of knew it was coming. And so um, not only did someone make a wiki, a separate wiki on Wikia that had a list of every single author we've ever interviewed, what episode it was on, a link to that recording, a link to, like, the episode description. It was huge. I mean, I still go back to it all the time to that wiki to, like, I'm like, wait, who did we interview that time? Um, but also another member uh, made a made a fact on the front page of Goodreads that we just stickied that was like, if you're a new member, read this first. Yeah. And it just had all the information about who we are, what the history has been, and, like, kind of best practices for discussions in the forum. So we didn't even have to do that. They just did that on their own, like managing. It's it's another thing. It's they, they self manage so much. I mean, we have two mods. One really one active mod, Josh Lawrence. Uh, Becca doesn't do anything. Lazy Becca. With her full time job. With her full time fancy <laughs> Working job. Working with my wife. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's. I mean, we only have one full time mod, and uh, he, you know, he he does a lot of like maintenance stuff, but he doesn't have to do a lot of policing. Because they kind of take care of themselves. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things we've been lucky about. But I think I like to think there's a few things we've done to set the community up for success by being participants as much as we can. And I know they'd like us to be in there more often, and I, I need to be in there more often. But being transparent about what we're doing, too. And when somebody like Terp Kristen was very concerned when we did the video series because she didn't want it to pull away from the audio podcast, very rightly so, uh, she wanted to be able to download audio versions of those videos, and we couldn't under our agreement there. But we worked it out by just saying, yeah, we know. Like, that sucks. Here's what we can do. Here's what we'll do later on when we can. And it didn't change anything, but just being able to have that conversation, I think, made both of us feel better. Uh, so when you when you jump to a new level, I think being prepared and telling the audience that. I think that's what worked with Geek and Sundry is when we could, we said, okay, guys, this is what's happening. This is when it's going to happen. Uh, we expect a bunch of people. And they rallied to that. They're like, okay, cool, yeah, we don't, we, we, we don't want people to feel weird about it either. Was it you who started the welcome thread for people to, like, say... Who they were. Oh, that was that was a long time ago. Though. Yeah, yeah, but that that, was, that has continued forever. Yeah, too, I think one of our oldest, our old, one of our oldest threads on Goodreads, and I think it has over four thousand comments at this point. Was you know, say hello, say who you are, you know, talk a little bit about yourself, what kind of books you like, who who you like as authors, and how you found out about us. And it's gone on for years and years and years and years, and we still get new comments on it every day. Yeah, cool. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Hello. Johan, um, just a question. Most uh, podcasts who run a community, there's always like a leader. With you guys, you're very equivalent. Um, uh, there is <laughs> no. I, I mean, what what happens if you you disagree? I mean, because you both have Veronica's quite a right. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe. Okay. Uh, no, great. but it, it's a fair it's a fair question because yeah. most have a, have a clear leader, Scott Johnson, or and and with you guys, it's like. Um, on equal it's very egalitarian, yeah. But probably, yeah, it's probably. We have America. we have different roles. I mean, we do different things um, in for the the running of the company, really, because we yeah. are a company. Yeah. Um, so, like, I handle like ninety five percent of the production work. Um, Tom writes all the blog posts for the episodes. Um, you know, I do most of the forum posting and management. Um, 
What do you do? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He handles, see, actually, Tom has managed all the business sides of things. Say, now you're forcing all me to All the taxes, brag. all like the money stuff, because I am just my, like, my I brain is not I prepare the rundown work. for the most yeah. part. You pull the forum stuff out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But we kind of collaborate on stuff. And that grew organically. Even. Versus yeah. saying, yeah. it's it's sort of us picking each other up where where one of us is not able to get to something or maybe just, you know, it's not our thing. The other person kind of fills in. And and we and again, same thing as with the community, like transparency and talking about it, just talking about it and saying, OK, you know, this isn't working. How do we do this? And, right. And and working it out. Um, and then, yeah, if we get to a, a serious disagreement, which almost never happens. I can't even think of a time we've really no. disagreed yeah, but you guys have strong personality. Yeah. Well, but Veronica, you have. I don't know about you. In those, you know, maybe maybe one or two times that that's happened. You I just, am learning you, so much about myself at Nertacular every year. I'm <laughs> so like, sorry. No. <laughs> I'm but, not yeah. angry. I swear. You just admit Veronica's right, and that's fine. Yeah, there yeah. you go. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. That's a good question. Thank you. Yeah. It was therapy. therapy. Talk it therapy. out. Hi there, I'm Tim. Hi. Hi, Tim. And uh, I, just want, I was just curious, after the whole Geek and Sundry thing finished and you had that transition period before the Kickstarter happened, was there any uh, community drop-off after Geek and Sundry happened? And was there anything that you guys were doing to keep the community going in between those well, there's two two ways to answer that. One is one is audience, and one is community. You want to handle the community. Uh, yeah, I think if anything, we came out up on community. I think we retained some of those people who discovered us through Geek and Sundry. Um, the YouTube videos. I mean, we just don't have the same size channel as Geek and Sundry does. Um, so, like viewership wise, like where it's it's a it's less. It's significantly less for the YouTube video viewer viewer amounts. It's, it's it depends. Well, the way I was going to answer the traffic side of that mm -hmm. is Geek and Sundry sent a big wave of people at us and then not 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 even the majority of them stuck uh and to me that's that's one way of doing it is to have a big promotion and then see who sticks um but enough of them stuck that like you said overall the amount went up mm -hmm. and if you look at the later end of the series of on geek and sundry those those numbers you know within the first week of posting obviously they keep going up over time but it are close to the top levels of our best episodes on season two. So season one was definitely bigger than season two overall, but there's so, there, you can almost see like, oh, well, that's where the audience really is because it's where those two inflection points meet. Right. And, you know, we're, we're definitely like a, a, a niche kind of community and, you know, we've been growing organically over time just by people discovering us and coming to events and doing cons and, and doing interviewing authors that have big communities. And I think that's a healthier way to grow, really, because we're not getting... Sometimes when you get a huge push like that, um, you, you know, there's riffraff involved yeah. And, yeah. and people who don't understand how the community works and people who don't understand how we do things. And so I think that that kind of keeps that from happening. I'm a, a big believer in it's better to grow slow because then you get audience that really wants to be they there. They want to be there, yeah. Versus people who feel like, well, you told me to come here, and now what's so great? You know, and that, yeah. that's it's harder to convince people of that. Very cool. Thanks. Yeah. Uh oh. <laughs> Do we have anyone to translate? <laughs> so, so mine is a serious question. I'm guessing the uh, the, the comic relief is coming after this. Okay. <laughs> Uh, hi, I'm Patrick. Hi, hi Patrick. Uh, it's not a, a sword and laser specific question, but it's more about uh, community management and uh, 
social media, I guess, in general. You were mentioning um, to another gentleman earlier um, that you were asking if he had a Twitter account and a Facebook page and all of that. Uh, and I know that you guys, for your various shows, and, and Scott does that as well, you open, you know, a Twitter account for each of your shows. I'm guessing, you know, uh, Facebook pages, but you even have different blogs um, for different shows. So I was wondering what was the advantage? I, I'm sure it's a lot of uh, management time to put in to do all of that. What's the advantage of having that uh, as opposed to maybe even more specifically for the blogs, having one location uh, with lots of different content and interaction and maybe because the, the I would think that it helps for, you know, cross-polarization. So, yeah, I, well, I, I go back a little bit to what I said to the other person, which was you want to be where the audience is. And, and so if you bring everything into one site and say, okay, everybody over here, they won't always come. Uh, and I find that frustratingly more true now in the app smartphone world than, you know, back in 2004 when a website was the way you found something. Some people who are Sword and Laser members and listen to the Sword and Laser podcast have never been to swordandlaser.com. Uh, even like launching Daily Tech News Show, uh, a lot of people who were listening to the show did, were, would send in emails like, so uh, how do I find the episodes? Uh, or how do I find a link to this and that? And I, I'm like, Daily, it's, I've got a website. I say the website all the time. So you have to you have to take into account that the way people use the internet is different now, and you can't force them to use what you want them to use. You have to uh, you have to find out where they are. But I'm guessing there's something more to why you're Did you're you mean asking more like that. different projects? So like a once for like well, like Tom who has like. A, 30,000 shows. For example, I mean, yeah. it's also the same for Scott. You would think that if someone likes, because the podcasts are so personal uh, and it's so much about personality, you'd think that um, you're, it, it might even be better to get everyone to follow, you know, Ace Detect or Veronica on Twitter. Oh, I see what and you're said, saying, yeah. uh, you know, of splitting and, and maybe the, the, some of your Twitter accounts are going to be very active, but for, for others, yeah. it's going to be just, you know, posting the episode is out and that's it. Well, and for me, it's kind of weird because, like, my, my Twitter account is obviously, like, something I spend a lot of time on and I do a lot of different kinds of things. Um, so I, I actually try not to talk about one specific thing all the time. So I feel like I don't... Uh, Sword and Laser is kind of that outlet to talk about all the sci-fi fantasy stuff. And I don't know if I would do that on my personal account as much because some people follow me there for tech stuff. Some people follow me there for whatever reasons. I don't know. Girl on the internet. Um, so, so, so you wouldn't want to, basically you wouldn't want to drown the guys that follow, or the yeah. people that follow you for, for tech. <laughs> <laughs> I meant guys with a, I don't know, capital G or, um, but people. yeah, the people. Yeah. Uh, to, so to drown them with, you know, awesome uh, t uh, cat videos book or whatever. Out. Yeah. Yeah. So sort of, it's the sword and laser, and the sword and laser Twitter does really well, and it's it's you know pretty well known, which is helpful for us for promotional reasons. Um, and sometimes we cross pollinate between our personal accounts and sword and laser if mm. we're doing something super cool. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's healthy for it to have its own space where it can really be uh, have all the information everyone needs to see about the show and, and not have to be confused about where else they would find inf info. And as far as Twitter goes, I generally use my main account to do everything. Uh, and I use show accounts. With Sword and Laser is actually an exception to this, but like a Daily Tech News show account or a Current Geek account, Cord Killers, I use those for very specific show-related things. Uh, and, and one of those things is like with a daily show, 
constantly saying, we're going live now, now we're live, we've just been live, here's the post, <laughs> could get really annoying on a, on a personal account. So I'll just post once on the personal account, and then I have the, now we've posted on the show account. And you kind of, you create that expectation, oh, if I subscribe to this, it's going to be very much about the show, whereas if I want to know about the person or the host, I go to that account. Yeah. Does that Thank more you. get what you're yeah. asking about? Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Nice scarf. <laughs> you noticed it, it's different from yesterday. I know. It's yeah. an even nicer scarf. Both green, though. Do you like green? Hello, sir. Hello. In the yellow shirt. I'm also Patrick Beja. <laughs> uh, I have uh, a question. You guys have done a lot of really interesting new content for your community. You've done taken money from a big network to do a video show. You've kickstarted a, uh, a second season of it. You've done a anthology has been well received and, and self published. Uh, but you guys were not part of the like great Patreon wave of, of 2014. Uh, what are your rules internally on what you guys want to do in terms of new projects and especially when it comes to taking money from the community? Yeah, I've been, I, I think I, we talked about this a little bit in the kickstarting panel, um, yesterday, but like I have, because we just asked the community for money and we like really wanted to get that project off the ground, I'm very hesitant in, you know, dipping back into that community money bag right now. Like, well, I, especially I don't when wanna... the, the so-called great Patreon wave that Justin is referring to happened in January. We had just had the Kickstarter yeah, end at the finished. end of November. Yeah. yeah, so I think maybe we'll we'll go that I know Tom has wanted to potentially do that. Um, yeah, I've started to loosen up just recently and think, well, maybe we should try it. Yeah, and so for me, it's I think I need a little more time before I feel comfortable asking the audience for money again, especially since we do have sponsorship. Um, we have... I just had an idea right there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What's the idea? Well, okay, because I, I kind of knew where you were going. So finish your sentence because so, yeah. I don't know. We're already taking in, I mean, it's not a lot of money, um, but it's, you know, we, we have, we, we're on the Boing Boing podcast network. And so through that, we have, we get ads uh, via Midroll, which is a podcast ad network. Um, and so we have an ad at the beginning of the show usually and an ad at the, in the Midroll in the middle of the show. Um, and... That, that brings in a little bit of income, enough to co uh, cover most of our production costs, um, but it's not livable, really. It's not money we could either, either of us could live off of. Um, so yeah, maybe someday it would be nice to have, you know, make it more of a business out of it. But I don't know, what were you going to say? Well, what I was thinking was, because I, I, I agree with you about the like, hey, you guys have got ads, and now you're asking me to back you on Patreon. What do I get out of that? Like, some people will do it anyway because they just are are kind and nice, mm -hmm. and we don't want to take advantage of people that way. One of the things we don't do is take ads on our author interviews, uh, and part of the reason we do that is scheduling. To be honest, uh, Midrail wants to know well in advance what shows are sponsorable, and it's just easier easier for us to say we're going to have a book club episode every other week. So sell those. And that gives us the flexibility to interview people on a dime and just throw it in there and not have to interview, interrupt the interview with it with an advertisement. What if we made the author interviews the Patreon back content? Oh. Okay, we can talk yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I feel bad about taking ads and also taking Patreon. I think that's the point that I was trying to make yeah. that, you know, if we were to do a Patreon for the regular show, I would want to make that ad free. Yeah. Um, but we're also part and of this network that. that is trying to make money off of the ads. Uh, so we don't get all that ad revenue. Boing Boing takes a por portion of it as well. So it would be like we'd have to be off Boing Boing because that's a requirement of being on the network is to use Midroll. Right. But I, I, with, yeah, now we're starting to get into 
Yeah, like, it's inside baseball. conversation stuff. But I think I don't think it. I don't think we're we're not prevented from doing Kickstarters, for instance. Yeah, as part of that. So anyway. Okay. Any other questions? Come on down. Have a sticker. <laughs> so. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, Chris. Hi. Hi. Nice to see you. Good to see you again. <laughs> uh, um, so I have a podcast with a fairly small audience. You know, it's like 50 people a week, and I love them dearly. You know, they're great people. But um, it's starting to become a I need new equipment, I need to pay for music licensing, that kind of stuff, versus, you know, me and my family eating. Mm. So my question is, is at what point do you go to your community or do you start looking for sponsors and – you know, I don't want to hurt my community at all. I don't want to hurt the people that listen by kind of driving them away by saying, you know, give me money. Is there a is there a point in time? Is there a kind of a time when your audience is big enough to appeal? Um, I would ask them about it. I would ask them about asking them, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You know, just kind of say like, hey, just ask them that same question that you just pray, posed to us, which is, well, I've got these expenses, you know, and, the, and you guys, everybody understands, you know, equipment upgrades and music licensing it has to be paid for. Uh, and say, you know, what do you guys think? And and I would give them fair options. Like, it's not a, it's not an ultimatum. Like, if this doesn't happen, that is the end, right? But you'd say, like, this is what I would have to do if, if I'm not able to put this together. You might be surprised at what comes out of that. Even just from 50 people, there may be some folks come up with some ideas you'd never even considered. I mean, that's certainly happened to me a bunch. Cool. Thanks. You got any more? I was. I kind of disagree. Um, I I would say just put the you know put a donation button on your page or and just like mention it on the show and just be like and hey if you like what I'm doing you know I've got the donation button on the page it goes towards hosting and new equipment so whatever blah 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 just like make it normal and don't don't put any weird like airs on it and mm-hmm. just you know see what happens with that instead of I feel like asking them is almost like guilt tripping them in mm-hmm. a way. Well you don't want to do that. That's fair. Yeah. That's a good good concern. And maybe what you maybe combining those two is the way. Like put the donation button up there with the explanation about the music licensing and the equipment and, and see what they say. Hi. Make went down too. There we go. One of my favorite interviews to watch is when you guys uh, interviewed George R. R. Martin. Mm-hmm. But I'd really like to know, out of all the people you've interviewed thus far, it's kind of a two-parter. Uh, who was your favorite, and who would you really like to do that you haven't had a chance to yet? Neil Gaiman. Neil Gaiman <laughs> is the sec- is the answer to the Neil Gaiman question. and William Gibson. If anyone out there is Neil Gaiman. <laughs> if Neil Gaiman is listening to the Nerdtacular stream, um, yeah, get in touch. I'm, we almost got him for season two, but scheduling just didn't work out. Yeah. Um, so that was that was kind of a He's bummer. He's a busy guy. Too. Yeah, seriously. Um, favorite interview that we've done? That's a really hard question. I I mean, gosh. Um, well, it's it's hard in two ways. One is remembering all the people we've talked to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And and two is like not wanting to be like well yeah, because they're they're fa- some are fun in different ways like right. Mike Cole is a very recent interview we had that is memorable because he's just so enthusiastic and he's the one that sort of opened our eyes to this cabal of writers out there that I, I keep finding more of them all the time like Sam Sykes yeah and, and Wesley Chu and Wesley Chu and, and and all of those guys who are, who like get together at conferences and play tabletop games together and like. They're all buddies. And I don't think that's always been true. I think there's, there's been clicks like that 
and maybe click is a bad word, but there have been groups like that in the past. But you kind of think of authors as being these solitary people in their okay. deep in their basements. Writing. I have two two that pop into mind right now. So Pat Rothfuss. Oh yeah. Um, yeah so sure. this was special in a lot of ways, and this is kind of I don't know if I've told this story a lot, but. Pat was in town. I've known Pat for a while, um, and he was in town. I was giving him a ride up to the studio in Petaluma where we were shooting uh, the season. And um, my tire got a flat on the way up to Petaluma, <laughs> and I had never put air in a tire before. I didn't know how. I just didn't. Had it ever done that? And so I have this photo of Pat Rothfuss at the gas station, like filling my tires full of air and like teaching me how to do all the stuff and like being like a good big brother. Did he use sympathy? <laughs> yeah, he did. Um, and then, but then he came to the studio. He did an amazing interview, and then he like read his uh, the princess books to the whole crew. And so we have a picture of him sitting with like all these like grown up men like around in a semicircle, like on the floor, like <laughs> listening to him read this book. Uh, and so that was awesome. And then he did a cameo on the next author's interview that was in like we were doing a Skype interview and we we're like wonder what Pat Rothfuss thinks and we it was the Hobbit oh, we were it? discussing the Hobbit for the book club and we were discussing our fears about the the uh oh, the, the film it up, and we're yeah. like I wonder what Pat Rothfuss is a big fan of the Hobbit what does he think and we just like cut over to him, him like, he's with like a at the bar in front of him. yeah so that was cool and then um Kevin Hearn uh who wrote the Iron Druid Con- Chronicles you're just saying that because he brought us whiskey he brought us true. whiskey he brought us whiskey <laughs> and that makes you our favorite Kevin yeah. Hearn and he was just a super sweet guy and he flew so we were scheduling the interview and he's like oh yeah I'll come up to the studio and we were like cool cool and so he comes in that day and we're like oh yeah did you where'd you drive in from and he's like oh I flew and we're like you flew in he's like yeah I flew in from Phoenix this morning and we're like wait what you flew in to do the to be on set like we had no idea we thought he was in town for something like a book promo yeah. or, or something and he just he paid his way to that fly so in nice. to, to do the show live and I thought that was just super awesome thank you yeah and it was also the whiskey, the tall Mordew. Yeah. I mean, it didn't hurt. <laughs> For sure. Hey, what's your question? Hey, my name's Cody. Um, I have kind of a two-part question, and I guess each one of you can answer it differently. Um, the first part is, what is, I guess, that one community source, um, uh, I guess, bit of advice or something that you guys got from the community that really helped kind of change maybe how you do something as far as this show or any other show? Um, and then the other question is probably one you've heard a lot, but what is, I guess, one bit of advice you give, you know, any new person starting a podcast to, you know, just that, that, that one go-to bit of advice to kind of help them out as, as far as getting started? The getting started part kind of goes back to consistency. Um, but I would also say, uh, listen, open up avenues and listen to the audience from the very beginning, even when you don't think you have one. Because those are the those are the most important people, and I go back to thinking about Buzz Out Loud and how we would play every voicemail that ever came in. We would uh, we would have them written on a post-it note. Actually, Veronica would take the voicemails, forward them to our voicemail boxes. We would listen to them. We would write them, write down their names and where they were from, and that's how we would do it in the studio. Like that was our rudimentary system, and that's how few we were getting. Like we could do that, uh, and every email. We, you know, we would respond to back, or at least I would respond mm-hmm. to back in the time we get in the forums. So engaging even those small audiences, uh, is important and the consistency. Yeah. And recently, as Tom mentioned, we put up a forum post asking for like things they want different. Um, and so we did, we totally kind of changed how the show works in a lot of ways, like the organization of the show. We, we don't really do, um, we do news from the audience now. So they send us in news items that they want to hear about. Um, so we've, we've made some just, you know, changes to the show itself recently uh, because of their feedback. There were things that I, I know I thought we needed to do 
like the calendar mm-hmm. readout. I'm like, well, if we do a calendar, we have to read all the items for the next two weeks, right? Because it's the calendar. And we found out they're like, no, we can look at the calendar. We on don't the care That's fine. to hear we don't that need to out hear loud. You say it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, you know, and you don't know. And it, that was one of those things where we wouldn't have known until we asked. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. This man has the most beautiful T-shirt I've ever seen. Available at slashloot.com. <laughs> kind of like your face, actually. No, Very it's beautiful. not Aww. nearly like that. Um, so, <laughs> has there been a book that you've read, actually, that's kind of like the most over or underrated book? Like you've heard like bad things about it, or you haven't heard anything particularly great about it, but it really surprised you when you read it on how good it was. Um. It's not underrated. I think it's pretty highly rated, but The 100,000 Kingdoms by N.K. Jemisin, I think, is something that a lot of people should read. Yeah. Um, I think it's it was definitely one of my favorite books of the last year. Um, and, you know, especially it's just nice having a different perspective, you know, of an African-American female author in the science fiction space, science fiction fantasy space. And you um, forget that when you're reading. I mean, it is George R. R. Martin-like in its scope and breadth. Yeah, it's, it's just so a nice. Good. It's a nice perspective. It's a yeah. nice change of pace, and I think it's it's a it's a great read. Um, we just read uh, our Kickstarter backers both House of oh, Shadows, yeah. uh, and it was one of the books that we had created a level on the Kickstarter. They're like, "We'll read your book and we'll do a hangout reviewing it," and it was a little bit of a gamble on our part, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> didn't know if we were going to like it or not. And we both really, it was, we really loved it. And it was relief to me when I was reading. I was like, this is really good. Oh, thank God. And then I, oh, thank God. and then I was like, but I he wonder, gave us a lot of but money. I wonder thank if Veronica is going to like it. And, and I was like, what'd you think? She's like, I thought it was really good. Yeah. And I, and so we were both, uh, and I think that's exactly what you're talking about. Totally unknown author, uh, and something we probably would have never come across otherwise, uh, which may be unfortunate that we had to have him, you know, back our Kickstarter at that high level. But, just a really well constructed story, and kind of it's about vampires, right? So it's not it's not even in the dead center of the sword and laser genre. But House of Shadows, uh, yeah, check it out. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I keep thinking, oh, ancillary justice is no longer in that category. No, it's like huge. when we first well, read it, it I was like, things. oh, everyone yeah. should read ancillary justice, and now yeah, it won all the awards. Yeah, was oh, it? Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Okay. great book. Hi, I'm Jeannie. Um, two things. First of all, I wanted to thank you guys because, uh, because of Sword and Laser, as well as your other book club. Uh, my, uh, a group of mine online has started to do our own book club. We get okay. together. Nice. Uh, we're on our second book. We do hangouts and talk about it. And it's cool. really, you know, just, we just want, you pick one that you like. It doesn't even have to be whatever. But, um, also, um, I was wondering what made you think about doing the anthology? And what made you think that it would actually be possible? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the reason we did the anthology was because we have such a smart community. And they are, you know, they're always talking back and forth uh, amongst themselves on the forums about writing projects and about, you know, stuff they're working on. A lot of them are authors themselves. And I was like, wow, we have this huge community of really talented people. And, you know, maybe not all of them are published or haven't had a chance to get published. Let's give them an avenue for for trying something. Um, and so we we started taking submissions. And we're like, you know, we'll self-publish. You know, if we if we make our money back, great. If not, you know, whatever, we're putting something out there into the world um and yeah i just wanted to see what we could do and we were pretty overwhelmed with the response and and the um the number of submissions for the short story anthology and one of the things that made me confident that we could pull it off it was entirely veronica's idea 
And I was enthusiastic when she brought it up. Uh, and I've self-published my own books a few times, so I'm like, well, as, as, on that end, I know what to do. I know what the steps are and the mechanics of putting it out there are. Uh, and I consulted a few people that I know who are editors. I actually talked to Patrick Rothfuss a little bit about slush reading, you know, when you start to get a thousand submissions in and all of that. Uh, so we, we got a lot of help, and I had a little tiny bit of experience, and I think that that helped drive it forward. And I think for, for the next anthology, I, we learned a lot about mm. the process that we can, you know, take and making the next one even better. Like, we allowed three submissions per author. And that was probably a bad idea because that adds That's up a to lot. a lot of stories. <laughs> uh, so it'll probably be one submission at a time next time around. Thank you, um, and yeah, I, I think it's definitely something we'll do again. It was, it was a lot of work, but it was, I felt really good about it. Yeah. Walter Spence? Yes. I know. I noticed that oh, on Goodreads right. the other day. Actually, yeah. Walter Spence for House of Shadows. Yeah. Uh, do not be, do not take substitutes. There's many. Did you find it? <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Good. Oh, cool. Yay. I'll be very happy. Cool. So you guys said um, when you first started, you had time to sit there and answer everyone's emails, and you'd go back through the forum posts and, and reply. What happens now that you guys are bigger, and you guys, I'm sure you're getting flooded with emails, and you're flooded with PMs and Twitter messages. How do you deal, first of all, how do you deal with, like, who do you choose to reply to, one? And then, two, if there's a, per like, for uh, for some of us out there who are trying to get in contact with, with people like you or people who are bigger, what are some what's some advice that you give for us to get to get through to to to, to that point, if that makes sense. Um, we would still respond to everything, uh, sword and laser wise. I mean, if, if it requires, email, a if response, it requires a response, you know, um, sometimes they don't. So. I think the only thing I don't actively respond to is like PR, like book well, yeah. mailings about stuff, press releases you know? or somebody who's just like sending in an item to be read on the show. Like you should know this book is coming out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to, on Twitter, we're we're super active on Twitter still. Um, you know, even for myself personally, I I try to respond to almost. If it needs a response on Twitter, I will reply back to it. Uh, social media is actually kind of my full-time job at this point, just like managing the community and like doing my own stuff and, and stuff for Sword and Laser. Um, so yeah, it is. It takes a lot. It's, I mean, it's a lot of commitment, but that's how you build a community. That's how you um, stay legitimate. That's how you stay active in that space. And and um, people don't like it when you just like shove stuff out into the world and don't take anything back, you know, or you don't have a conversation. It has to be a conversation. Um, and that's what's been really important to me just, you know, in my own personal life and, and my own work online and with Sword and Laser too. Something as big as Goodreads too would be entirely unmanageable if it was just Veronica and I having to respond to every single post. The fact that the community talks to itself mm -hmm. uh, definitely helps. So fostering that and encouraging that uh, has, has, and I don't even think we had to do it that much, but just sort of creating that environment where that is thanked. Mm -hmm. uh, is the kind of thing that helps if, if a little explosion starts to happen. Sometimes it'll, it'll sputter out before we even get I to love it. it. I love it. I love it on the forums when someone like writes something like really critical and they're like, I'm like, you didn't think I read these forums. Ha ha ha. And you get to go in and answer it yourself. And that's always fun. Um, yeah. <laughs> but as far as like how to get in touch with people, uh, just, just do it. Just, just write, uh, send them, send them an email, send them a Twitter post. I, I think you'd be surprised how often that will work, uh, even with like mega television movie celebrities sometimes. Yeah. I, I certainly have been impressed with authors 
how often the author themselves oh, yeah. will respond. I always think I'm going to get a PR person back, um, but usually they just respond back themselves pretty quickly. Kevin Hearn was actually one of them. I He was um, a last-minute invite to Sword and Laser. Um, we, we, our scheduling got all screwed up, and I emailed him. I'm like, hey, we'd love to have you on the show. It's also like next week. And he wrote back to me like that hour. And I was like totally made my day. Uh, just You know, it's, it's just, yeah. You guys got to put yourself out there. Any other questions? No? Any other Oh, uh, uh, audio versus ebook versus paper. If I can expand your mm-hmm. question, I think is a is a good one. Yeah, I do all three. I mean, um, I'm mostly Kindle and audiobook right now. Um, if I get, I, I used I collect like first edition hardcovers, especially if I can get them signed. Um, but those add up pretty fast, and I don't running out of room. Luckily, I'm moving next week, um, and they're heavy. Uh, but I do, <laughs> but I, I love my Kindle. I mean, I carry my Kindle with me everywhere and it's just like being able to have so many books just at the touch of a finger is like an amazing accomplishment in technology for me. Um, and I listen to audiobooks when I'm driving and when I'm cleaning and when I'm in the shower and when I'm doing whatever, like I can't hold a book or hold my Kindle in my hand. I, I prefer audiobooks for things that are book club picks because I need to make sure I get it done within a certain amount of time. Uh, and audiobook just helps me plan that better. I know Kindle now has this like time estimate, but the audiobook I know, like if it says it's going to be 12 hours, that if I set aside 12 hours, you know, I could knock it out. Uh, yeah. I don't 2x audiobooks. Um, unless they're <laughs> I Peter, do. unless they're Peter I F. Do. Hamilton. Uh, why that specifically? Because it was like 48 hours long. I did, I did one Q84 road. for, um, oh, yeah. and I that did, was over 80 hours of audio. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I felt like my whole life was that book at that point. It was like, I had never done anything but listened to one Q84. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so audiobooks for things that I need, really need to schedule or, I just know that that narrator, I've experienced them and they're really good. I prefer the ebooks for the portability, uh, when I want to read something, uh, that I really love and I want to take time to soak, soak it in. I'm reading Cibola Burn by, uh, James S.A. Corey in ebook for that reason. Like, I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to ha- be like cooking and suddenly be like, well, should I 30 seconds get back to that? You know. So, um, paper, I, I, I don't read a lot of paper books anymore unless I already have it. Like when we read mm-hmm. Altered Carbon, I had the paperback, so I read it that way. I generally will do the same thing as Veronica. I like pick it up because I want to have the object. Yeah. All right. Should we give away some T-shirts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So how are we going to give away the T-shirts? I, we could do uh, we could do a Scott Johnson-style throw them in the audience. So yeah, they're all size medium. Ah, man. We got a C&D already? So these are all my 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 T-shirts. I haven't worn them or anything, but they're all size medium. So uh, They're they, all they're, yours? What do you mean they're yours? Don't ask. Um, you slept. Who wants a T-shirt? <laughs> oh, you know, I want you to give me the special one. Do you only have a few. She's so. got the birthday. We're going to see how uh, Boop. Happy birthday. So this is a Tom and Veronica drawn by wonderful Scott Johnson. <laughs> oh, we got one. Uh, sword and laser, standard. I can't throw very far. I'm sorry. <laughs> Get one on three, three Lemon Moon. Oh, Three Lemon Moon is fantastic. And then Patrick. Go. Cool. All right. And, oh, who has a red dot on their card? We got one red dot. If you got a red dot in the card that you were given to, uh, you get a free copy of the book here. Anyone else got a red dot? Oh, oh, that was your copy. Oh, (laughs) you get to keep one. We're missing one. Someone has to. Someone else has a a third red red dot. dot. 
Did we not give out the third red dot? Third Look at your card. You might get a free dot. book. Look on your card. Look on your neighbor's card. It's a big, it's a big freaking red dot. Peel the red it's dot off of one of these yeah. other guys' card. It's on the back of the card. Who, want, who wants a copy? Okay. <laughs> you, uh, you, Why? I don't know. Is it, you didn't get a t-shirt. Oh, I gave you mine. Uh, let me make sure that All one right. isn't signed. Rocka. All right, so we got some stickers and bookmarks up here and some more ribbons for your badges if you want a ribbon for your badge. Um, got some old school fact or fictional ribbons, too, if you ever watched that show I did back in the day. Um, but yeah. Huh? Yeah, well, they canceled it. So, revision three. What are you going to do? They cancel things. Um, any other questions or any other stuff? Anything in the works? Um, we're going to DragonCon. Um, we'll be at DragonCon. Uh, we'll be interviewing Naomi Novik, uh, who wrote the Temeraire series, um, who's fantastic. So if you guys want to see us there, we'll be at the Crystal Ballroom, I think. Are, are we? I think we're yeah. at the Crystal okay. Ballroom. Um, so that's always a lot of fun. We'll nice. be Tell working. Tell your friends. Come to DragonCon. Yeah, we'll be working in the next year on uh, the next anthology, probably, uh, or at least starting to take submissions. Hadn't told Tom that yet, but that was part of the plan. Um, <laughs> He's like, I'm not ready for that. Um, and what else? Um, I feel like there's something. I feel like the doing. no. I feel like there's something else we're we're missing. We we have not made any decisions about a third season of video yet. So that's true. So yeah, hang in um, there for that. We're gonna there's be something else we're forgetting. Though. We're doing um, some interviews at Loncon in London. Oh, we're that's, not going. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Um, but yeah. we're we're working with a company called Open, Open Road, Road Media, and they're gonna be taking uh, listener questions from the Goodreads thread that we started, and then asking a bunch of authors uh, questions there, and then we'll be doing a cool montage video um, of that later. And uh, anything you want to talk about personally? I'm so, I also do another show called Vaginal Fantasy on Geek and Sundry. Um, it's a book club with Felicia Day, Bonnie Burton, Kyla Casby. And we talk about um, uh, sci-fi fantasy romance books. So if you like romance, we get real drunk and get real rowdy and talk about the books. I do a show called Current Geek with Scott Johnson sometimes. <laughs> so go, go subscribe that. Yeah. Um, personally, been eating a lot of kale. Oh, if you want to buy, if you want to buy the anthology, it's at swordandlaser.com slash store, um, or swordandlaser.com. It, yeah, you'll find it on the nav. It's this SNL anthology page. Uh, it's on Kindle. It's on, uh, Barnes and Noble Nook. It's on, uh, paperback, DRM versions, DRM free versions, rather. Um, so we have, yeah, sorry. Ask and we'll give you a DRM. Well, version if you want a DRM version, we can give you that. We can put a password lock on it too. We won't tell you the password. Um, <laughs> so it'll be like a surprise when you ever figure it out. Um, but that's it. Yeah, that's all. Thanks so everybody come. for coming. Yeah, really thank you appreciate so much. It. You guys are great.